0: So yes, we are working on a series, and uh, this series is called Jesus, the Light That Leads to Life. He is the light of our life. And my text verse is out of John 8. Would you stand with me, please, as we read this text verse this morning? Just in honor of reading God's Word. John 8, verse 12, it says, When Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Anyone here want to have his light living in you today? Amen. The title of my message today is His Light in Me. Would you pray with me this morning? Father, we love you today. We thank you for your many, many blessings in our lives. Lord, we thank you that we could celebrate you not just on Easter, but we celebrate you every day. And God, we come today to celebrate you. We thank you today that you are the resurrection and the life. And Lord, we ask that your life would live in us and through us. And God, we just want to ask today that you administer to each and every one of us your word. We thank you that it is your word that changes lives, and we pray that our hearts would be good soil and that you'd do the work that you are set out to do today in each one of us for our good and for your glory. And it's in Jesus' name we pray, and everyone said amen, amen. amen. Well, God bless you. You can be seated this morning. So we're going to be talking about light, Jesus, the light that leads to life over these next few weeks. and. Today we want to talk about what that light looks like in me. Next week we want to talk about what it looks like shining in me and through me. And then the, the final week of the month we're going to talk about what it looks like shining into our community and into our world. Uh, so today we're going to focus, we're going to start with the foundation, which if the light of Jesus is not in us, we cannot share it, right? You can't share a light you don't have. And so uh, we're going to start with talking about how we have that light in us today. Everyone understands the need for light in the physical realm, right, in the natural Uh, we first thing you do when you walk into a dark room you turn on the light right and if you're a child the last thing you do when you walk out of a room we don't know because they don't turn off the light because they're always coming back right i'm not bitter at all maybe a little but uh, anyway we do need the light when we come into the room right uh also we all know that like daylight, sunlight is a beautiful thing. You, you really realize how much you appreciate sunlight when you've had a couple dreary days of overcast or rain, and then you wake up one morning and the sun's out and it's beautiful and it just ah feels good, right? Because sunlight is always a good thing. There's always a, a good connotation with light. It, always, it most typically comes with a good connotation. If you say, someone said, I was to say, I saw the light, you know, that rep- that's a good thing. That means you had an epiphany or you had some understanding that you didn't have before. Or uh, light at the end of the tunnel is another good one. You know, that, that represents hope. If we talk about seeing light, right, like you're in a dark tunnel and it's a dark time and, and there's light there, you have hope that this dark season is not going to last forever. So light is always, or most of the time, a very And the only time we don't want light is if we want to sleep or if we're up to no good, right? You don't want light when you're up to no good. You want darkness because it's easier to get away with what you're doing under the cover of darkness. In fact, statistically, the majority of violent crimes happen after dark. Because there's, you can get away with more when it's dark than you can when it's light out. And so, in contrast to light, darkness typically has a negative connotation in life, right? Uh, if you're going through a, a dark time in your life, you're probably not celebrating all your wins in life, right? It's usually a tough season, or maybe depressed Depression or, or just having a difficult time to have joy in your life. It's a dark season. Or if your daughter were to come home and ex- describe some guy that she really likes to you and describes him as dark and disturbed, probably wouldn't get the thumbs up from mom and dad, huh? It's not a good connotation when we're talking about darkness. So we have light and we have dark. And the Bible tells us that God created the light. Light didn't just happen. This is very basic, Bible 101. But I'm, I'm building on something here, so uh, indulge me for a moment. But God says, the Bible says that God created light. In fact, in the very beginning of the book, Genesis 1, in fact, the second verse tells us that darkness hovered over the surface of the deep. So darkness was already there. But then in verse 3, it tells us that God said, Let there be light, and there was light. And God saw that the light was good. Everyone say the light was good. The light is good. And he separated. Everyone say separated. separated. He separated. I want you to remember that word because I'm going to get back to it in a little while. He separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day. And the darkness he called night. So in the beginning, when there was darkness, everything was dark until God created light. Light didn't just happen. God had to create it. And consequently, the Bible doesn't give any indication that darkness was created. It, it kind of it, it, uh, implies that darkness is just the absence of light. Until light was created, there was nothing but darkness. But when God created light, it, he separated it from the darkness. So we know that God created light. He created it because we need it. Right? If we were in this room today and there was no light, it be, would be look kind of silly. Uh, we wouldn't be able to see a thing. God created light because we need it. So God also gave us spiritual light because we needed it. And this is what my text verse is talking about today, that Jesus is saying that he is the light of the world. He's not talking about physical light because there was already light before Jesus came into the world. He's talking about himself being the spiritual light of the world for each and every one of us. That means before he was here that the world was covered in spiritual darkness. He had to come to be that light in the world because before that we didn't have the light. There was no light. The Bible even tells us that we are all born into darkness. We are born into sin just by our very nature because of sin coming into the world. So we're born into darkness. In fact, Paul, the apostle Paul, in his letter to the church in Ephesus, in chapter five and verse eight, he says, for you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of light. Now you notice here, he did not say that you were once in darkness. He says you were once darkness. So the darkness embodied us. It enveloped us. It, it wasn't something that we had to try to walk through or get past the darkness to get to the light. It was actually part of us. We were born into it, and it, it was embodied who we are before Jesus came into our life. And he says, but now I have come into the world, and now you are children of the light if you choose Jesus, and then and you don't have to walk in that darkness anymore. And unlike in the natural You don't have the power to turn on this light. This isn't a light switch you can just turn on. We don't have the power to do this on our own. We become this light when we follow Jesus. Again, I take you back to my text verse. I'm going to be referring to my text verse a lot today because it's so beautiful. It's such a small verse, but it has so much good truth in this verse. He says, if you follow me, you will no longer walk in darkness. That is the only way for us to not walk in darkness is to follow him. And he's not saying here to follow him at a distance. He's implying here that we follow closely, that we stay close to Jesus. He says, if you follow me closely, you will not walk in darkness. I like to think of it as if if there was a group of us that were in the woods and it was dark at night. It was middle of the night, pitch dark, no lights. In the woods with a group of people, one person had a flashlight. Well, who is leading the way if one person has a flashlight? The person with the flashlight. And what are you doing? You are following closely closely with that person, with the flashlight. Because if you didn't, you would be subject to the things that are in the woods. You'd be hitting your head on branches and tripping over logs and falling into the little pitfalls that you will find in a wooded area. You would stay close to the person with the light. And that's what Jesus is saying, that we have to stay close to him because this is the thing, church, the darkness is great. The darkness is powerful. The darkness is all-consuming in life. The only light in this world, the only spiritual light in this world is Jesus. There's no spiritual light in this world apart from him. It's not about being good enough. It's not about going to church enough. It's not about reading your Bible enough. It is him. It is following him. He is the light of the world. And without us following him, we are in the dark. And we are subject to the things of the darkness. And we are powerless against it without him. Powerless against it. There is nothing we can do to defeat the darkness in life. It's like trying to be in the woods by yourself without a light and trying to figure out a way to light up your way when there is no way. There is no other way. It is only Jesus. It is him and him alone. And I mentioned in Genesis 1-3 that God said that he separated the light light from the darkness. I told you to remember that word separated because I was going to get back to it. Well, We're to that point now, we're getting back to it, okay? He separated the light from the darkness. Notice here, it's very important that we understand and notice that when God physically separated the light from the dark, he didn't eliminate the darkness. He didn't eradicate it. He didn't annihilate it and said, you know what? No more darkness. I'm bringing the sun, and there will never be darkness again. He didn't say that. It says he separated it. So there's still darkness even now, right? We know there's darkness every night. We see darkness. But God separated it so that we could recognize it, and he named it. He called it night. He, we recognized, he named the darkness so we would know what it is, okay? And it's the same way spiritually. He came, Jesus came into the world, died on the cross. On the cross, he said these words, it is finished, right? So he did the work. Did he completely eradicate sin? No sin's not eradicated it's not eliminated it wasn't annihilated it's still very alive and active in this world right so he didn't get rid of sin what he did was he took the power of sin he, he, he eliminated the power of sin he eliminated the power of death he eliminated the power of the grave he eliminated the control of sin over our lives but he didn't eliminate sin sin is still here in fact we all have some sin that we struggle with in our life right So we are living proof that there is still sin in the world. But what he did by coming into this world and being the light of the world, he named it. Darkness, spiritual darkness is sin. He named it and he separated it from us. So we are no longer subject to the sin in the world. We're not under its power. We're not under its bondage anymore. If, everybody say if. If we follow the light. It's the only chance we got, church. the only chance we got you being here in church today is not following the light okay I want to be very very clear about that I'm thankful that you're here in church because preaching to a bunch of empty seats would be very weird and I'm thankful you're here and it is a very good thing that we are in church and we are hearing the word and we're worshiping Jesus but being in church is not following the light the light is Jesus you can be singing songs and worship and thinking about lunch I do it I mean, I'm not perfect. <laughs> My stomach's growling during worship. I'm like, what am I going to eat today? It's about following the light. It is about following Jesus. He is the only way that we defeat the darkness in our life. What's the first thing that happens when you turn off the light switch in a room? Uh, kids, you wouldn't know what that is. Don't worry about it. We're going to inform you, though, today. When you turn off a light in the room, the first thing that happens is the, light, the darkness comes back. The darkness was not eradicated. It's not eliminated. It comes right back when the light goes away. Same thing spiritually. We have to stay close to the light. It is our only, only ability to defeat the darkness in our life. Ephesians 5.11. The Apostle Paul says, Have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. He's not saying there is no darkness now that Jesus came. He's saying we don't, shouldn't have anything to do with it. We actually expose it. So what he's telling us is not only do we not live in the darkness anymore, but now we expose the darkness. Not to shame or to ridicule, but we get people out of the darkness. We're not just called to live in the light ourselves. We're called to bring people with us. We're called to be an example. We're called to have that light live through us. And we're going to be talking about that more over the next couple of weeks, talking to you about what we're going to be doing this fall and what we're looking at as a, as a church and the mission and the vision of this church moving forward about being a light because Jesus tells us we are the light of the world. But we're only the light of the world as we follow him. Right? He's the light of the world. Him in us makes us the light of the world. We're not lighting up the world so that we can enjoy what we see. We're lighting up the world so we can bring people out of darkness. And if we're not, if we're not busy doing God's business, then we're missing it. Right? And so we are called to be that light too. So in a nutshell, the only way to defeat darkness in our life is to encounter Jesus. Encounter that light follow that light, surrender your life to him, and live for him. It's the only way to defeat the darkness in our life. And if you haven't experienced that, if you say, well, I've never encountered this light, I wouldn't even say I'm a follower of Jesus. Well, you know what? I could tell you today that you could stop that today because it's never because Jesus has abandoned us or that he's not revealing his light to us. It's because we have decided that we would rather live in the darkness for a little bit. The Bible tells us that some people prefer to enjoy this, the The pleasures of darkness, the pleasures of sin for a season, right? When you talk about being in the woods all by yourself in the dark, pitch dark, it doesn't sound good at all, but sometimes in the spiritual realm, that can be appealing, to live in sin, to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season, even though it's killing us. We have to choose to be in the light. We have to choose to follow that light that Jesus gives for each one of us. I want to give you some truth today about the light the first one is the most foundational thing is that the light saves us. And the light, I'm using a capital L, we're talking about Jesus, because he is the light. The light is what saves us. We cannot be saved unless we encounter and follow the light. And again, I take you back to my text verse. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. If you follow me, you will no longer walk in darkness. That is a spiritual application. That is a spiritual principle that he has given us here. And I know we live in a society today that's, try, that's pushing hard to get us to just think, you know what, there's many ways to God. It's all fine. You don't have to be a Christian. You can be whatever religion you want. As long as you get to God, it's fine. It's no big deal. Or there's, there's pushes out there that there's not even a God. And, you know, you can't even know him. It's, there's just, it's all so abstract, you know. But the Bible is very, very clear. Jesus says, I am the light to the world. He refers to himself as the quite a bit. He says, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. And no one comes to the Father but by me. There's one Father, there's one light that leads us to that Father. So he is the only way that we can experience salvation. Let us never forget that before we experienced this light, we were in darkness. That we were trapped in our sin. He is the one that saves us. I shared a verse last week at Easter that I love so, so much from the Apostle Paul in his letter to the Corinthian church uh, in 2 Corinthians 5, where he says that God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. What a beautiful verse that just completely encompasses who Jesus is and what he did for each one of us. And I don't think I'm going to do violence to the scripture by just changing a couple words here just for understanding in this message today but to say that god made him who had no darkness to be darkness for us that's what he did jesus had no darkness he had no sin but god literally made him to be that darkness jesus gave us his light and he took our darkness and because of that we have his righteousness his light is his righteousness and he gave that to us by what he did on the cross and all we have to do is receive it and follow that light closely. We follow that light closely and we will experience the salvation that Jesus paid for each and every one of us. To live for him and to walk with him. Look at how John talks about it in 1 John 1, to 5-7. He says, this is the message we have heard from you and declare to you. God is light. In him there is no darkness at all. No sin at all. If we claim to have fellowship with him, yet walk in darkness, we lie and do not live by the truth. So we're basically walking around in the dark, acting like we can see. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. Another beautiful verse, that as we walk in the light, that we have forgiveness of sin. We're not walking around in the dark, claiming we're in the light, but literally having to be walking in the light, following this light of Jesus. And forgiveness comes from not saying we're in the light, it comes from actually being in the light. That's where forgiveness comes. God doesn't care about lip service if we're not living it, if we're not staying close to him. If I say I'm in the light, but the light's way over there and I'm bumping into trees, it makes me look pretty ridiculous. To be in the light, you know if you're in the light because you're being guided by that light. In your life. And if you've ever been in the light but you've strayed away, that can stop today too. The beauty of our God is that he's, he's the God of second chances. He's the God of 50th chances. He's the God of 10,000 chances. All he says just turn to me. The light's never far from us. It's just sometimes we have our back to it. The light doesn't move. The light doesn't stop. The Bible says there's no shadow in God. In fact, let me read that in James 1:17. He says, every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. He's saying here that there is no shadow in God. There's, there's literally, all he is is light. And, and he, if, if darkness comes near him, he gets pushed out. There is no such thing as darkness in the Father. So that tells us that, because he's actually talking about the sun here too. He's saying the Father of heavenly lights. He's talking about the celestial lights, the sun, the moon, the stars. You know, the sun has no shadow. The only way a shadow can be cast when the sun is there is if something stands in front of it to block it from hitting. That's the only way that we can have darkness in our life is if we're turning our back to the light. Because God does not have shadows. He is light. But we have to look to it. We can look away from it and not be receiving that light. Even even in the earth. The only reason there's darkness in the earth is because the earth moves away from the sun. You know, we like to say the sun goes down at night. The sun doesn't move. It's the earth that moves. So the only reason we're not experiencing the sun in the middle of the night is because the earth has moved away from it. Not because the sun has moved. And the same way with our God. He doesn't move either. If we're experiencing darkness in our life, it's because we've turned away from his light. It's the only reason. But that can stop. All we have to do is turn back. Turn back to him. Another truth is that the light brings freedom. I love this. The light brings freedom in our life by pushing out the darkness. The light is freedom. Now, this, sounds, this can sound kind of elementary on the surface, but it's actually incredibly deep when you think about the fact that if you have bondage in your life, okay, if you have bondage in your life that you're, that you're struggling with, that you can't seem to break free from, it is because the light has not been allowed to come into that area of bondage. It's because we have turned away from that light. You see, sin thrives in darkness but is exposed by the light. And it's not exposed so that it can be so we can be shamed or we can be ridiculed or we can be beat down. It's exposed so that we can be free. The light is designed to make us free by exposing the sin and pushing the sin out of our life. The the light, the darkness has to flee when light comes in the room. When you, cut, when you go into a room and you turn on a light switch, the darkness doesn't get to choose whether or not it's going to leave. It doesn't get to choose. It leaves. There's no, there's no debate. There's no like, nah, I'm not sure if I'm going to leave today, light. It's gone. It's completely gone when light comes in the room. And that's what God wants to do for us. He wants, to let, he wants us to let his light come into our areas where we're holding. See, we, can, we have areas where we let the light come in, but then we have areas that we turn away from the light the areas we don't want God to see or we don't want God to deal with or we don't want other people to see in our life. And if there is no light, sin can thrive. You ever played hide-and-go-seek when you were a kid in a house, turned turn off all the lights at night and it's pitch dark in the house, and you play hide-and-go-seek? And uh, you know somebody usually, usually ends up with stitches one of those nights. But you know if it's dark enough, you can hide in the middle of the room. You just stand there. As long as they don't bump into you, you're good. You can hide in broad daylight, in the middle of the dark, which is actually an oxymoron, but you know what I'm saying. You can hide in the middle of of everything if it's completely dark. I was even thinking about this, I was thinking about like restaurants, you know, like you got a restaurant you like to go to and as it gets older, if they don't remodel or, you know, you could tell they're not really putting money into the building to keep it up, all of a sudden the lights start getting dimmer and dimmer. You think they're just trying to make it romantic, but really they're just trying to hide the dirt. And then all of a sudden they remodel and the lights are bright again. Because dirt can hide when it's dark. Dirt can hide if it's a little dimmer outside. John tells us in John chapter 3, in verse 19, he says, And this is the judgment. The light has come into the world, and people loved the darkness rather than the light, because their works were evil. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light, and does not come to the light, lest his works should be exposed." like dimming the lights in a dirty restaurant. But whoever does what is true comes to the light, so that it may be clearly seen that his works have been carried out by God. You see, light exposes the wicked things, and those who want to stay in their sin want to stay in the dark. But God's light in our life exposes our sin to set us free. Set us free. You know, it's, it's interesting because many of us have experienced this saving power of the light that we talked about a minute ago, but then when it comes to the freedom aspect of the light, we haven't experienced that. Maybe you're maybe you are in bondage to some sin in your life. Maybe you're in bondage to to lust or fear or greed or selfishness or fornication or adultery or you're in some kind of bondage to some sin and you're not allowing the light of God to shine on that. In fact you you turn away from the light when it comes to that part of you because you're afraid if it gets exposed it might ruin you. When in reality, this is a lie of the enemy that makes us feel like if, if my sin's exposed, I'll be ruined. When in reality, you not exposing that sin is killing you. It's actually destroying you. And God says, I want you to turn towards me and bring that to me. And it may, it may hurt for a moment, but this is what's going to save your life. It's what's really going to set you free. Because when we hide our sin, and we hide those things that can hold us down, those stumbling blocks in our life, what we're doing is we're just empowering the enemy. Because when, there, when there's darkness, when the light is not shining on it, I, I told you earlier, the only hope we have in this life is to stay close to the light. The only hope. Because the only source of light in this world is Jesus. And so that's our only hope. It's not just for our salvation, for our safety, for our prosperity. It's also for our freedom. He's the only hope we have, church. You could try to behavior modify a little bit and try to be a good person. It's not about that. It's about letting him set you free. And see the enemy would want to lie to you and tell you that you can't do that because it'll ruin you but he wants to keep you from the truth. You see the enemy's scheme is all smoke and mirrors. Try to make us think things that aren't even really true. Because if he knows if we know the truth, we'll be free because that's exactly what Jesus said in John 8:32. He said he who the son or the truth when you know the truth, it will set you free. The truth is what sets and the truth is coming into the light. Bringing our situations into the light so God can actually set us free from those things we should be echoing the words of King David in Psalm 27 he says the Lord is my light and my salvation whom shall I fear the Lord is the stronghold of my life of whom shall I be afraid this is truth we have nothing to fear and when we allow that fear of the, those, the, the sin in our life, when we allow it to, to continue to be hidden, it's as, it's as ridiculous in our life doing that as it is to try to hide from the sun to stay away from the darkness. It's the, it's the opposite, right? If we're wanting to stay away from this darkness, we go to the sun. But we'll do that with our, with our sin. We'll hide it from the sun. We'll hide it from the light, thinking that that will keep it at bay, when in reality that's what festers it and causes it to kill us. You know, mold needs damp cool dark places to grow and that mold will grow and it'll become infectious and it'll turn into black mold and then it becomes really dangerous that's exactly what our sin does in our life if we don't expose it to the light the way god has intended for us and here's the beauty of it church it's designed so that when it is exposed it will, God will deal with it. He will help us with it. He will empower us. Not only does he forgive, but he also sets us free. He cleanses us from all unrighteousness is what 1 John tells us. It cleanses us from all of our unrighteousness. But we can't win the battle if we're trying to fight the darkness on our own because we don't have a light on our own. Another truth is that the light also gives guidance. I love this too. Did you know that you don't have to figure everything out on your own. If you're a child of God, the Holy Spirit can actually guide us, help us with our choices, our decisions, our plans, helps us with the traps of life to avoid them. That's who he is for us. We're not in this journey on our own. Like just, I mean, the analogy of walking through the woods with a dude with a flashlight works because it's exactly what that person, that person would be guiding us if we're following them, just like God wants to guide us as we follow him. The darkness disorients us, it it brings confusion, it brings chaos in our life, and the light brings clarity. The light brings guidance for each and every one of us. You ever tried driving down an old country road when it's pitch dark outside and turn your headlights off? That's tough. I, I did that once as a teenager trying to impress a girl I was with and she wasn't impressed. It does not work. Boys don't do that, girls don't like it. I don't know, something about teenage boys who think if we scare her, she'll really like me. <laughs> so ridiculous. <laughs> but I did do it, and uh, it wasn't good. I didn't wreck, but <laughs> I think I'd take her home right after that. <laughs> but you know, it, it, it makes it very difficult to drive in a situation like that. Or you know, you ever get up in the middle of the night, and you got to use the restroom, and you don't want to bother your spouse, so you leave the light off, you stub your toe on the corner of the bed, you know, everybody's done that, or on the dresser. Stuff that is trivial and menial in the bright light of day can be almost impossible without light. Because the light is designed to guide us. It's designed to guide us in our life. Jesus is the light that guides us. And you know, when we look at the Word of God and we look at the Old Testament, you know, if you, if you study the Word and you read commentaries you read people that are really theologians that really know the word you start to realize that even the old testament even though it doesn't mention the name Jesus one time the old testament is all about pointing us to Jesus all through the old testament it's all over the place there's there's types and shadows of Jesus all through it and one of my favorite examples of this is in Exodus where God led the children of Israel out of Egypt they've been in Egyptian bondage for 400 years as slaves brought them out miraculously, used Moses to bring them into the desert, to take them to the promised land, but their sin kept them in the desert because they were grumbling, complaining, a bunch of stiff-necked, hard-hearted people, according to the word of God. And so they had to stay in the desert for 40 years. So they, they left a, a really deep, bad darkness, but they were still in a darkness in the desert because they weren't able to get into the promised land yet. And when they would travel through the desert, traveling toward the promised land, God would guide them. And by day, it said he guided them with a cloud, And at night, when it was pitch dark out in the desert, he would guide them with a pillar of fire. And this pillar of fire would move, and they would have to follow it. And it was guiding them to their promised land eventually. It's a perfect type and shadow of Jesus. That's exactly what Jesus is to us. He is a light that we follow, just like he said in John 8, that I am the light of the world. If you follow me, you will no longer walk in darkness. It's like he was talking about the children of Israel in the desert. He's saying, I'm the pillar of light, and if you follow me, I will lead you to your promised land. I will lead you in such a way that you will not have to roam around in the dark, aimlessly, chaotically, confusedly, trying to get by, and feeling stuff in front of you just trying to see where you're going. He is the pillar of fire that guides us to the promised land in our life. Now, do we wish that, I'm sure the Israelites just wished he would have just you know, took them where they needed to go right away and and got it over with and maybe, uh, you know, swept them up and took them there. He didn't, but he did guide them because he wants them like he wants us to have a trust relationship with our God that when he moves, we can go with him, that we can follow him, that we will trust him and go with him where he goes in our life. And see, he wants to be with us rather than just make everything happen for us. He wants us to be in that love relationship with us. One of my favorite verses about God guiding us in all the Bible is out of Psalm 119. It's verse 105. Many of you know this verse. It says, Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light for my path. This is a beautiful promise that God will guide us as we allow his word into our life. That he is a lamp to our feet. And and what I love about this is that there has to be effort on our part. He says, "I'll, I'll light your path, but you know what? It's... It doesn't say he's a lamp for our conveyor belt or we just stand there and hold a lamp and he just takes us. It's a lamp for your feet. He's implying that we're having to walk. We're having to take steps of faith and trusting him in our life. And he will guide us as we walk. And I I felt like the Lord a few years ago gave me a a really cool illustration or a revelation, I guess, of of the meaning of this verse and what it even looks like in our life. Because when he says it's a lamp, you know, a lamp is small. It's not going to light up a big area. It's going to light up the area right around you. And he even says it's a lamp for your feet. So that tells me that if we're holding a lamp and and we're walking this faith walk with him, trusting him as he guides us, that he's not showing us everything. He's not showing us the whole picture. He's showing us the next step. He's showing us what it looks like to live every day trusting him one step at a time. And, yeah, we'd like to see everything lit up. We'd like to see it all. But I frankly feel like it's God's grace that we don't see it all. Because I think if we did see it all, we couldn't handle it. Because there's a lot of junk out there right here in front of my feet, I can handle this. I can handle one step at a time. And God says, as you take that step, you know what happens? Miraculously, the next step lights up because you're carrying the light with you. And that's what he is to us. That's what his word is to us, to guide us, to give us what we need to move forward. This verse really speaks to God's heart for us, that he wants us to trust him, that he wants us to be able to, to walk this life with him, not just ask him to fix everything. He's not a genie in a bottle. He's not, he's not somebody who just does everything we ask him to do, but that we're actually trusting him. He didn't eradicate the darkness. He didn't eradicate sin, but he gave us the power over sin as we follow him and trust him. And, you know, if you're a leader in this room today or watching online and you know what it's like to have people follow you, there's nothing better than people following you because they want to If people follow you because they have to, because they're getting paid to follow you, it's not near as fun as when people just follow you because they trust you and they believe in you and they want to be with you and serve under you. That's the best kind. Well, God's the same way. We're made in the image of God. He wants us to choose to love him too. Could he make every person in the world love him and follow him? Probably. But if we're made in his likeness, we know what it feels like when somebody does it as a robot or when somebody does it because their heart's drawn to you. It's a big deal. And that's what God wants for us too. So the light guides us. Another truth is that the light produces fruit in our life. The light produces fruit, produces growth in our life. You know, most things in this world, in the the practical sense, need light to grow, right? You guys know what photosynthesis is, or at least you used to. If you don't know, ask a fifth grader, they'll tell you. But basically, just as a little refresher, and I felt like I knew it too, but I had to Google it to make sure I wasn't wrong because I didn't want to get up here and look like a dummy. But uh, it's basically what a plant does. It takes light and uses that light and turns it into energy to produce growth and to be healthy and to produce fruit in its life. And it's the same exact way for us spiritually. If you want to produce fruit in your life, if you want to grow in your spiritual life, you have to be exposed To the light. There's got to be constant exposure to the light. Now, that, I will say, is some of what coming to church is. It's exposing yourself to the light. It's exposing yourself to other believers, to be encouraged by other believers, to be encouraged by the word. There's definitely a place for us to be in the community of believers when it comes to growing in our relationship with him. But we have to be exposed to the light. As children of God, we're not just looking to be good people. I'll say it again. As children of God, we're not just looking to be good people. We're looking to grow in our relationship with Jesus. We're looking to grow spiritually. We're looking to produce fruit spiritually. Because let me tell you, once you've experienced the light, the light of Jesus, we should never be content to just be stagnant. You can't be exposed to a plant. A plant cannot be exposed to the light without being healthy and growing. And so, so it is for us spiritually. We cannot be constantly exposed to Jesus and not grow. Can't do it. It'll ju- it just happens. You just, as, you, as you get closer to Jesus, as you let him infiltrate more areas of your life and you stop turning things away from him and keeping them in the dark and you let him expose the things in our life, we, it, grow, it draws us closer to him. We have more desire to be more like him. We have a, we have a greater desire to love people. You know, when, when, as you grow in your faith, hopefully you go from being annoyed by everybody to really loving the annoyable, right? Even loving those people that seem to be unlovable, you have a love for them because you know what Jesus has done in your life to help you grow, and so your heart is for other people that they would grow too. If we have no concern about the people in our life growing and loving Jesus, you have to ask yourself, am I really exposing myself to the light? Because if you are, The the default fruit of exposing yourself to the light is that you will love others too. You You can't say you love God and don't love people. John tells us that. You cannot say you love God and you don't love people. If you do, you've deceived yourself because there is no such thing. You cannot love God without loving his people and when I say love people, I'm not talking about just having ooey-gooey feelings towards them. I'm talking about love, agape love, that is sacrificial love, that is willing to give and expecting nothing in return. That's the kind of love that comes from exposing yourself to the light and growing. But not only that, we take our next steps all the time. This, this walk in the path, this is about growth too. You know, we talk a lot about next steps here at New Hope, not because we want you to do stuff for the church, but because we feel like every single Christian has a next step all the time. Whether you're 10 years old or you're 100 years old, there's always a next step. As long as you have air in your lungs, you've got a next step in your growth relationship with Jesus. It's about us being holy. It's about living a life of holiness. And when I say holiness, some people right away, they, oh, no, 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 that's works. You know, that's that's religion. We're not talking about that. No, it's not. Holiness is what we're called to, Holiness is what Jesus has called us to. In fact, uh, Peter tells us in 1 Peter 1, he says, Just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do, for it is written, Be holy because I am holy. Now this is not about being religious. This is not about being better than other people. This is not about being proud, puffed up, and being haughty. This is about being separate. This is about separating yourself from the things of the world that would drag us down. This is about pursuing him. It's about living a lifestyle of pursuing Jesus in our life. And as we pursue him, we grow, and we grow in holiness, not not the look of it, not the facade of it, not not dressing the right way or or saying all the right things, but just in our love relationship with him and loving others. That's what holiness looks like in our life, and the holiness that Jesus has called us to. And Peter also says in, in, in that same book in 1 Peter In chapter 2, so just a little later, in verse 9, he says, You are a chosen people. You are a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness and into his wonderful light. This is about holiness. We are set apart. Not better than everybody else. We're set apart. We're put in the light. And then we're pulling people out of the darkness into that light with us. Because we don't deserve that light any more than anybody else does. We just, we just, by God's grace, we're able to receive it. We are called, we are, when we are exposed to the light, there will be growth in our life. And it doesn't make us perfect, it just makes us more like him. That's what it does. That's what growth looks like, being more like him. Loving people. Loving each other. Loving his Word not letting the things of the world bog us down, that we're not consumed with the things of the world and, and trying to just get to retirement and making enough money and taking care of me and my own, but really living in such a way that honors and glorifies Jesus in everything we do, that we would grow in him. I, I love what John the Baptist said. He said, I must decrease and he must increase. People came to him to try to stir him up and get him mad when they were saying, "You know, Jesus is baptizing more people than you. He said, praise God. Because he wanted to decrease because as we, as Jesus gets brighter in our life, we get dimmer. I'd like to be where I, there's nothing left of me. It's just him. That, that's, that's our next, that's taking those next steps of living in holiness and in growth. Praise God. Well, would you stand with me, please, as I close today? I want to read my text verse one more time because I really wanted to sit with us today. Jesus spoke again to the people and he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. His light can come into our life in a powerful way. If you're here today, you don't know him. It really is as simple as just walking to the light. It's walking to him. It's, it's, that looks like leaving your own life, leaving your own personal desires, leaving the way of sin in your life and clinging to him. That's all it looks like. It means your life is not your own anymore. You are dedicated to him. And the Bible says that when we confess him with our mouth and believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead, we will have eternal life, that we will be saved. And that when we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us. So whether you've never known him or whether you did know him and you've walked away, all it, it's just about coming back to the light, coming back to him. We have no power to create the light on our own. None of us do. No matter how long you've been saved, you, it, it, it's the same for the guy that got saved five minutes ago as it is for the guy that's been saved for 80 years. You've got to cling to the dude with the light. Stay close to him. That's what he calls us to do. So I want to pray for us today. I just want to encourage you to receive this prayer, to respond by lifting your hands, kneeling at your seat. But let's, just, let's just go to the Lord together. Father, we love you today. We thank you for your word. Your word is truth. Your word is life. For each and every one of us that will believe in it. God, help us to believe your word. By your spirit, Lord, we thank you today that you are always drawing us. You are always drawing us near. Your word tells us that you stand at the door and knock, and that if anyone opens the door, you'll come on in. Lord, help us to open that door today. Whether it's the door of salvation, whether it's the door of coming back to you, whether it's the door of just allowing you into those areas of our heart that we haven't allowed you, that area of sin that's held us in bondage, Lord, we bring that into the light today, not to shame us, but to expose it so that we can be free. Help us, Jesus. Help us to bring those things that were in the dark into the light. Lord, we don't want to love the dark. We do not want to love the dark. We want to love the light. And we want to cling close to to you, to follow you so that we will no longer have to walk in darkness. We thank you that you defeated darkness and that we are not subject to it anymore. It's still here and it still exists, but we don't have to be in bondage to it. And we thank you for your freedom that you give today. Help us to walk in that freedom for your glory, God, and help us to just love you and love others. Let there be growth and fruit in our life, God, as you guide us and direct us. We trust you. We thank you that your word is a lamp To our feet. We love you. We thank you for all that you're doing in our lives. God, seal your work that you're doing in our hearts right now by your Holy Spirit. We thank you for it and we bless you. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Can we give God a hand clap offering today? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord.